Welcome to Archetypes and the Planets, where Andre Carr and I, Bea Gonzalez, invite you to think metaphorically as we explore how we have collectively translated the map of the sky into our mythologies, religious systems, and personal psychology. Okay, Andre, so today we have arrived at Neptune, uh, the planet, uh, one of the trans, the so-called transpersonal planets that was discovered um, post-1781 after the first uh, planet that was not part of the seven, the two lights and the five that were known in ancient times. And we talked about Uranus and what that might mean. And now we're going to talk about Neptune. And before we get started on this particular subject, I want to address the whole notion of transpersonal planets and what this might mean. Uh, there is a division in the astrological community. I'm a, I'm a both-and person. I love the Hellenistic and I love the Arabic. I love all the work that's coming out. But I'm finding a trend that, that, that is disturbing to me because I see it also in many spheres of life where, you know, when, when all these texts were discovered, I'm a historian at heart. I loved learning about it. But there seems to be an oppositional thing going on where you're either one or the other, but somehow we're not finding a way to blend these things together. And the thing about the transpersonal planets, and there's even an objection to them being called this way, is that uh, the, the you know they don't have standard rulerships according to the uh, to the rules of the ancient astrologers, obviously because they didn't see them, and they don't follow. I mean, there is a beauty to the the way that they conceptualized rulerships and exaltations in the in the uh, Hellenistic worldview. So I don't want to get rid of that. I agree with them. I use the traditional rulerships, but I'm more worried about the, the what the, what people have done with this, and a lot of it they blame on the Theosophists and. I, I want to bring this up because the theosophists, I think, have a lot to do with Neptune. <laughs> and the mm. astrology gets rediscovered by through really the theosophists and the work of Alan Leo, who, by the way, trains Jung. And, uh, uh, and so I, I just want to bring this up because some people may be listening to us and just enjoying the archetypal connections, and that's great. Some people may be listening to us who are doing more of a deep dive into astrology, and I want to be an advocate for having a dialogue between both. So we're not excluding one viewpoint or the other, but we're having, we're understanding where each came from. And that, and this is something that, that I heard on a podcast, which I found quite extraordinary. Someone actually said, well, you know, humankind hasn't essentially changed. And that is true. Human nature hasn't essentially changed. And the 12 houses, for example, signal areas of our lives where things are pretty constant, right? But we have evolved in some ways. Uh, we, we, our consciousness has been evolving along certain lines. You cannot compare our way of thinking to someone in 3000 BC because we're just not thinking on the same level. So it's an absurd uh, comment to make. And I just, I just want to be an advocate for that. Let's have a both-and approach. Let's have a dialogue. Let's stop playing these games. You see in politics of division and I'm right and you're wrong and these have the these are ge geometrical rules and those are developed by by you know people who are Neptunian. It just so shuts down the conversation. Anyway, that's my beginning of it. And the reason I will link it to Neptune is I think one thing we've said before is that astrology separated from astronomy in the 16th century with the, the scientific uh, revolution, and it went underground. You know, people stopped really thinking about this in a big way, right? For for a while, and then it resurfaced right when Neptune shows up. And my, my, my linking it is that, okay, so Neptune gets discovered in 1846, discovered. 
one of the words I think we both agree Neptune is associated with is a certain amount of confusion. I think when Neptune is wired in, there is a, a you know, you tend to be a little bit in the, in kind of the clouds, a haze. And it's interesting that Neptune actually, they figured out there must have been, been a planet when they discovered Uranus because of the disturbance disturbances to that orbit. So they knew there was one, but they couldn't really verify it until 1846. So there was confusion in the finding of that planet, but even more interesting, um, they also saw that Neptune's orbit was disturbed. And um, when Pluto was discovered, you'd think that that was the reason that, that it was, that, but it had nothing to do with Neptune's orbit being disturbed. So I guess what I'm saying is that it's interesting that Neptune on both ends, it was also comes out of this fog of, you can't really pin it down. You can't really um, you know, um, categorize it in the way that we categorize, let's say Saturn, which is very much about material reality. So let's start with that conversation, that, that, that concept is applied to Neptune. So are you asking though, with the uh, Hellenistic view of astrology versus whatever other view you're maybe more modern or psychological astrology maybe, is that what you're asking around whether or not to associate Neptune, in, in this case, the, the modernistic view as to what some astrologers do that I don't, like you, I don't agree with, to say Pisces is Neptune, it used to be Jupiter, Jupiter's thrown out, now it's just Neptune. I, I see Neptune at minimum associated to Pisces, and I could go further than that and say, give it co-rulership, some kind of very strong connection to Pisces. Same with Uranus. I resisted Uranus for years. I didn't like the connection to Aquarius until I understood uh, the connection because I could see the paradox of individuality and how it could still fit into Aquarius, but also because I noticed in my chart that the the sign order, you know, the 12th in my case, there was something connected to Uranus for sure. So then I thought, well, it must be connected because I, I get a transit and I get an effect to that house. And so I would say the association with Neptune to Pisces, however much you want to make that association, to my mind is valid. It's not an invalid uh, type of thing. But I mean, if you're going to talk Neptune, yeah, the whole idea of uh, immediately as soon as notice, even in today's discussion, we're already <laughs> floating and going like, what are we talking about here? Is this, <laughs> you know, is this up, down? Because that's Neptune's nature. It's very, very hard to pin it down. And that's the magic of Neptune because Neptune, to my understanding on the high end, is that really open, open-ended, uh, spacious piece that you can feel within yourself and your uh, total connection and integration with life. This, by, I believe, by the way, was was consciously or subconsciously or both Jung's entire life is seeking. He was looking, he was trying to be that very thing because he had the Neptune square and that's the sense, Neptune square, the sun. I want to integrate my my individuality into the into the whole of humanity. So Neptune is a very inclusive uh, energy and it's not a defined energy because of the, the very same reason. You know, you, you're in this space, but you can't really say, well, it's this, just this, or it's this other thing. And so therefore it's elusive, which is another uh, Neptune keyword. And, and you see this, by the way, in astrology, these keywords are not made up. A person, for example, that has uh, a very strong Neptune connection, typically through squares and oppositions and conjunctions, though not always, but most of the time it'll be that. 
the idea of a lucid, for example, a con man, you know, someone who is on the downside conning people, that's the very definition of a lucid, you know, they're <laughs> impossible no, to pin down. So, yeah, so all of those things uh, to the ne Neptune archetype. But just to, to answer your question about the the astrology systems, I, I agree with you on that, both end. Uh, and, and in the way I do it, I constantly use uh, whatever part of a system I believe makes sense, even if I find the entire system not particularly appealing, uh, I'll I'll use a, a rule that may be very wise about that system. Oh. I mean, so so Neptune is an association with with uh, Pisces. Uh, so Liz Green points out the Manilas, which is one of the older texts, one of the writers that is associated with uh, the Hellenistic tradition, does actually connect um, Pisces to um, to Poseidon, who is Neptune. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I, I mean, right. that's just the connection she happens to mention. But I, I think the reason that, so so one of the things a lot of uh, people also, and I think you've struggled with this as well, and I think it's fine. I'm an archetypal storyteller more than I am an astrologer. You're more consulting. I'm much more interested in the stories. And so I'm very fascinated by the, the congruence of the myth and what we name things to what they turn out to be. And um, the only way you can understand this, I tried to explain this to someone the other day, is if you believe that the quality of the time that something is named or shows up or you're born actually has some meaning into it, the quality of time, right? This is what Jung understood as synchronicity. So yeah. it, that, that you are sharing with whatever was created in time, right, uh, those qualities, Okay, with 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 entities, with other people. When I say entities, I don't mean you know extraterrestrials. I mean you know if a corporation is made or whatever. But there are many archetypal expressions. They're not fixed. There's just many ways for expression. Okay, so that that we can agree on. The other thing is that, and so there's no beams coming from the sky or whatever. We we understand that there is an inner and outer, as above, so below. There is something connecting everything together, like the glue, and we just haven't discovered what the glue is. So I look at Neptune, and you know, we we talked about this before on your channel about uh, the uh, how weird Neptune. You know, you'd say, well, you know, they came up with this this name, and Neptune in mythology. Let's get the, the archetypal storytelling uh, aside actually has very few stories, but they're really quite important stories. One of them is that, that it shows up as a major figure in the Odyssey. And the Odyssey is one of the foundational texts of Western, uh, really everything, Western literature, Western history, Western consciousness. And it's a very instructive uh, text because it comes after the Iliad where the gods are speaking to you like they did. You couldn't distinguish between the gods in your head and who you were. There was no awareness or consciousness of the self. That's a big new concept of the Greeks, by the way, which is so interesting. The Odyssey is the first time we see an awareness, a self-consciousness rising that you are not one, but two. You are the person who thinks and you are the person who observes the thinker. That's a very new concept. It did not exist prior to that time. Okay, so we have Neptune uh, showing up. And the reason it's important is in the Odyssey, what happens to Odysseus is he insults the son of uh of uh, Poseidon slash Neptune. And this is what sets him on his 10-year odyssey of, you know, gets thrown to the winds by not being respectful of that power. And if you think archetypally, what does Neptune rule? It rules the waters. It rules the deep waters of the unconscious. And one of the ways we, we, um, we figure out or we ascribe meaning to a new planet that we have not encountered before is you look around and you say what was going on. So we did that for Uranus. And before we get to Neptune and what was going around, because a lot was going around in 1846, which is determinative for what is going on now, I think especially we can argue that a lot of what's going now has resonances in when it was discovered, is that 
um, there's a second story most people don't know about Neptune. And this goes to the fact that I think Neptune can be really harsh in a transit. And sometimes we ignore that. We act like it's all compassion and story. And my own experience and when, I, when I've seen it in others is that it can be actually very, very tough to deal with because when you are overwhelmed by the sea, by the unconscious, if you don't have a good structure to, to keep you, I was you know mentioning that in all flood myths, what are you told to do? You're told to build an ark. Why are you told to build an ark? Because that's a structure that can protect you. Yeah. You yeah. have a strong <laughs> ego, right? You're going to be in a lot of trouble, right? So, so I think these two things go together. And so I think we shouldn't, we shouldn't really, it's like people that say, oh, psychedelics are going to save all of us. You know, now we're testing them at Johns Hopkins, which is true, but they can overwhelm you done the wrong way. We know they can do plenty of damage. So we have to be careful with these forces. They're transpersonal to use the word that some don't like. They're, they're archetypal. They're beyond what we have the limited capacity, what we can control in a, in a way. It's like a notion coming at you. So one story I want to bring up of uh, uh, Neptune, just to show his bad side, is that like his brothers who go around raping and pillaging, that would be Zeus, Jupiter, and um, Pluto, Hades, he too is involved in a very famous uh, rape that no one ever talks about. And that's the rape of Medusa, who is a beautiful woman, but she goes into Athena's temple and he rapes her there. And then Athena turns her into um, Medusa, who then has the power to scare off anybody and harden your heart. It really is a great archetypal motif for fear, okay? Uh, but that's that was Poseidon's doing, you know? And I think that story can speak to what happens to you when you are overwhelmed with the unconscious. You turn into you, the, the fear, you are frozen. You become so, and you know, we know this with, with people who are overwhelmed in ways that actually are very serious. You know, they can land them in, in spaces where they can't get out. Uh, and I think one of the reasons we associate drug addiction with Neptune is that is a, a, a way that you can go deep into the unconscious and have no lifeboat or arc that can take you out. And then, you know, we talk about cheap Neptune. That's the way to really get into a lot of trouble. So I just wanted to bring out the, I think we often, Neptune is kind of the forgotten planet, but also I think the one that has the capacity to do a lot of damage, and we've seen it actually in our political discourse and what's been going on in the world. It has, it's sneaky. People kind of forget about Neptune because it is so unconscious and you're walking around and one day you wake up and, you know, things have dwindled into misinformation, insanity. And uh, people being overwhelmed so much by the contents of their unconscious that they can't tell if a young man shows up at the door for help or to pick up a sister or a sibling or they're showing up to attack you. That is Neptune. What are the manifestations? Of course, there are other planets involved. But I'm just saying that we have created a world where people can't discern the truth from fact, from fiction, um, the good guys. And the, it just it's, it's all melded into the discernment has gone. And this is one of the things. Mars is discernment, of course. Neptune seems to have no discernment. You're just going to jump into the soup. And yes, the, the, if you're a good meditator, I have no doubt that you can jump into the soup and connect in a good way. But I'm going to argue that most people aren't great meditators. And so when they encounter Neptune, they can it's like a tidal wave. It comes over you, drowns you out, and you don't know how to get out. What, what's your take on this this part of the uh, Neptune story? Well, I laughed when you said, my laughter was when you said, if there's a deluge, if there's a, you know, the, the, the biblical, the Noah's Ark, well, obviously, if there's water everywhere, the solution is, is a boat, because otherwise, what are you going to do? I mean, that's, and a boat would be a Saturnian thing, a structure. Right. So the whole idea is all of this, we can say anything about any planet, any anything at all, if you are speaking from a, a an incarnate body 
that's your Saturn in a sense. You you know your bones are holding you up, presumably, and you say things from that limited vantage point, although you're part of the whole at the same time. But Saturn being Saturn, then that's the arc that every person needs. the The arc is they themselves, meaning that, in other words, suppose now you think of the wide open Neptune. It's like you open the lens of the camera totally wide. And you've got all this stuff just moving around. Something in there is your Saturn on the level of mind that discerns. And part of the discernment can be, you can just ignore it all. That's, by the way, one of the most uh, uh, the deepest meditations. If you study the deepest Buddhism, basically what they're saying to you is, yeah, whatever's there, just, just watch it go by. And then that way you're not never going to be trapped by it. But that's hard to do because a person has their memories that they've built up. And really that's what can drive them crazy. The memories start circulating, make other memories. And then they think, oh, this is me. And that thing happened and that makes me bad. And then all that stuff. And then that's the overwhelm, literally. The, the So the discernment would be to bring in the Saturn to at least cooperate with Neptune, not uh, remove the Neptune, but have it be the the balancing force, so to speak. And so the good meditation is, I think, in part that, that you're able to, to enter the wide open space and not get disturbed by anything. And you brought up psychedelics, which uh, it, they're also connected to Neptune in that wow. psychedelics, any substance that in some sense expands the internal energy, the sense of you know feeling uh, within oneself is Neptunian. But you're totally right. If you throw in some substance that in some way speeds up the psyche a lot, because typically that's what they're doing. They're The psychedelics, whichever effect they're having, the driver is that the nervous system acquires more voltage. So then more energy is going through and it can be more difficult to relate to it uh, in that do you have a stable enough, again, as soon as you say stable, Saturn right? Every time. So you have a stable enough mind to, to navigate through there. That would be your arc, so to speak. You know, the, you're in your Noah's arc and you can watch all the rain away, but you're, you're floating. You're fine. It's not a problem. But if your arc, you know, starts to sink then you've got a problem because, and really what it is, is that you get taken in by the ocean, then, then you're thrown about and it, it makes things, it makes things really, really hard, right? The other thing you mentioned about Neptune and discovery is that uh, and, and I get a lot of this myself. Whatever was being, was that whatever was coming online, whatever was uh, uh, humanity was connecting to. And this is true mostly of the outer planets because if you start looking at the previous planets, good luck with that. I mean, I don't know. That would be a great study, by the way. When was Saturn first mm -hmm. I don't know, uh, pointed to? Or that there's a planet that probably goes back millennia. Uh, Uranus, late 18th century, Neptune is coming online. To me, the key thing was that uh, the humanity was starting to use the electricity of Uranus to create things that were enabling recordings to happen. Uh, the first photos start to show up. This thing that you're creating a replica, and this is the the uh, uh, often the downside of Neptune because Neptune is the faker. Neptune is the fake thing. It's not the thing. When someone gives you a recording, it's not the person, but yet it is the person. 
because you're hearing their voice or you're seeing them on, on camera uh, or, in a, or a movie. That's why Neptune is so prevalent in Hollywood. You know, you, people that are producing videos, you've, you'll see Neptune somewhere important, right? So all of that is happening simultaneously though. And, and this is, in a way, it's a Neptunian concept because we're throwing all this energy out and say, well, what, what do you do with it? The best answer I have is, is pay attention to your Saturn, you know, uh, develop your Saturn so you can manage everything. That would be the best answer. It's interesting. Also in 1846, uh, Karen LeGrice makes a point that the word unconscious shows up and I'm not sure this is true or not. I can't, I haven't verified it, but it shows up for the first time in um, a textbook uh, speaking about such things. And if you look at the artist, the artists working at that time, what do you have? You have music that is highly mythological like Wagner. You have um, Dostoevsky, uh, the Russian, the great Russian coming online, writing books like The Double, where you have the idea that there's something working that you don't, you don't quite understand. In fact, the whole of 19th century literature points to an awareness of forces we have no control over. And of course, you have Nietzsche, who was born two years before the discovery, who's opening up a whole philosophical viewpoint that will be taken on by people like Jung and uh, others in the 20th century. So you have a real opening of awareness that we are not who we think we are. And not only do or who are we not who we think we are, but we're driven by forces we don't understand. And they're coming from within. We project them because, you know, it's hard to hold these forces, but it's the first awareness of how insecure you know, things really are in that imagined world. And we can't forget also that beyond the imagination, of course, you have movements like uh, in painting impressionism, which is kind of like thinking things are diffuse, right? But yeah. also argue that dreams, uh, you know, uh, by the late 19th century, you have the interpretation of dreams by Freud that becomes a seminal work. And although dreams were paid attention to and very seriously in the ancient Greeks, with, you know, going back to classical Greece, they really were not paid attention in the same way until they come online again. And they become a way to get into the unconscious that Yang Jung explores. You say about Jung having a Neptune square, the sun, that did drive. And in fact, one of the things he struggled with was being labeled a mystic, which you can agree is another Neptune word, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of a lot of so-called misters like Mary Baba and actually people involved in the spiritual circles of all stripes, Billy, I think Billy Graham, all these people had Neptune wired into their charts and they're almost voice pieces for a specific form of Neptune that is being brought out into the world, whether you agree with it is or not is actually irrelevant is that they are manifesting something some people are resonating to right mm -hmm. uh, on the issue of Saturn Neptune um, we're about to get that that conjunction happening in 20 I think 2025 or 26 in the zero degree point of Aries which is kind of interesting because from the tropical viewpoint that's the first beginning of the tropical year um, and, and one of the uh, interesting conjunctions of Saturn-Neptune, and I don't know if it's it's in the publication of Das Kapital or if it's actually in Marx's chart, but it's compassion with structure, right? Well, how it was applied later is irrelevant. But he, what, we, what he was trying to do is he was trying to take the highest level of Neptune, which is compassion, and give it a structure and say, okay, what we need is the means of production have to, you know, whether that was a, realizable in the world or not is not part of the question is that he had a vision of what this would be like. And it is a particularly good Saturn Neptune example of what, what, what it would be like. And so it'd be interesting to see now that it lands in Aries, what, what is the new vision? What, what are these two coming together uh, going to produce, right? Because it seems to me that 
uh, for all of Neptune's wonkiness, there is a level of compassion wired into it, or the idea that we are one, because in the ocean, no drop is separate from any other drop. Uh, we are one, but at the same time, we're separate. So these two are so different, in the, in, but in combination, one thing that I thought was very interesting, the best book on Neptune is by Liz Green, if anybody wants to tackle the 800-page volume, it's fabulous. One thing she points out is if you look at artist charts, you often find Saturn square Neptune. And it makes sense because they're bringing form to the formless. They're mm -hmm. taking things from the unconscious and they're formatting it. They're making it real so that you can consume it. Music is very Neptune. And she also comments in that book about how many, how incredible is how many artists, how many musicians in particular have Neptune wired into their charts. It doesn't matter whether we're born, what type of music, it is really super wired in because music, we would agree, is something that allows us to dissolve form for a while and, and merge with something that is beyond us. It's beyond words, which is, I mean, something mm -hmm. oriented. So all of these things, I think, uh, point to what happened in 1846. These things come online and now we've seen it develop and the shadow side has definitely come off. Now, one thing that, that is interesting is, is the U.S. chart. Uh, I think I talked to you about this before. You know, the U.S. chart has, at its, I think the planet at the zenith is Neptune, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. So that's a particularly important planet for the U.S. And, it is, and, but, and, and it may be, it may be being a Neptune being, it's also in Virgo, which is a, when you think of Virgo, you think of uh, the common man. It, it, Neptune and Virgo would be a very classic democratic um, energy. However, the U.S. has a lot of Uranus separately because the horizon line crossed Uranus. And you can see that the U.S. is known as the most independent thinking. You know, when people do these studies, they say, for instance, China, they study the the populace, and they're very compliant. They follow rules. In the U.S., no one follows any rules. It's, it's completely brutal. Uh, the Uranus is so, so rampant. But yet, the country with Neptune above like that, at the zenith, it's a democracy that's lasted 250 years. And I think for that reason, there's a sense that, yeah, yeah, okay, we're independent, Uranus, everybody should be able to do whatever they want. And we are a group, and we're all going to get along somehow. We're going to, this is the whole argument now that that one side of the country is saying, well, when you lose an election, you should just accept it and go on to the next election. And one side thinks, no, 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 we should <laughs> just throw the whole thing overboard and turn it into a, you know, a, some kind of libertarian fascist regime, which I don't think fits the, the no. country in its totality, right? But that's what makes it a melting pot. And to your point about now being a, uh, I think maybe you're going in this direction that the Neptune period we're in and and the, all the lies and all the confusion. Neptune and Pisces, first of all, it opposes the U.S. Mercury or Neptune. By, so then this was the Civil War in the 1860s. There was a, separately, you could argue that Neptune too is very ideological. There's a sense of what is the vision? And the clash back then was just like now, we're getting another clash. They're clashing visions. Back then it was, well, we should have this racist thing where some men can just you know, overcome other men and and enslave them. And there was a group of there were a group of people that said, no, that should not be the case. And that's how that ended. We'll see in this case, but in a way it's the same thing again, because what you're seeing another similar problem where some people are trying to be too Uranian. They're basically yeah. saying, I don't want any part of that Neptune. Well, you don't have any choice in that because it's part of the country. It's there. And probably there, in one sense, when Neptune leaves Pisces, it should help around 
things not being as anything goes. Because the thing about Pisces is that one side, in my opinion, has been great for bringing forth more and more and more spiritual information into the into the public domain. The problem is that it's been side by side with more disinformation, the insanity of the Neptune thing, anything goes. You know, you sometimes hear people saying things like, you can't even tell anymore what the news is telling you. Yes, you can. You got to look carefully, but you, you can. But if you if you go on Facebook and open a page and someone is saying there, they saw pigs flying, it's up to you to discriminate and say, no, that's unlikely. I don't think yeah. that happened. Yeah. yeah, and discernment being the fundamental problem. I would also say that in the U.S. chart, one of the things they export the most is a vision of democracy, which they don't live up to frankly, from the outside world. Nobody does, really. But the well, vision yeah. of democracy, this is the best democracy. This is and everybody well, saying what we're talking about. But but just to add, they also export, one of the biggest exports is the entertainment industry, the, the illusion yes. industry, right? So yes. Hollywood is, is a U.S. creation. And so everybody wants to be, I mean, I think it's interesting what's happening through entertainment that things like Netflix are bringing other cultures back in, but really the standard has been set traditionally by the U.S. And, uh, uh, you know, certainly in our lifetime and before, the the people who've had power in that area have been American producers, American producers of content, right? And now you could even argue, by the way, this is still continuing. It's not even hollywood anymore it's silicon valley i mean a lot mm -hmm. of what's being produced through ai and whatever these are ideas and and futuristic yes it's very aquarian but it also has a neptune component because yeah. what is ai you can lose yourself in a in a reality that doesn't exist in some cases if this artificial mm -hmm. intelligence goes what it would and you can just lose all contact with saturn right which is i think there's an inherent danger and there we'll have to navigate those waters but again it's coming from one sector of uh of society that is sitting in in the U.S. with this elevated Neptune. So it, it's a great seller of music, uh, film, uh, visions, uh, democracies, and of course it doesn't quite ever really um, reach its own aspirations, but that's that's like a human being. You can have something very elevated. That doesn't mean you're ever going to achieve. The, the thing is in the trying, but I just noticed that if you're going by the rules of the most the, the planet that's right next to the zenith not the mc for those people who are who are astrologers out there the zenith which is the highest point it's 90 degrees away from the exactly from the ascendant then that planet takes on a huge role right in 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 a personal chart in a in a mm -hmm. political chart so so let's talk about what do you do okay so let's say venus is wired into one of your personal planets right like let, let's look at some possible pairings that cause problems for people Tell me how people get into trouble if Venus, let's say, is square Neptune. Well, what do you get there? Well, that, by the way, that's another interesting thing there because in, in, uh, I think it, in the archetypes, this would probably have to be reflected somewhere. The assignation of Neptune to Pisces fits, feels particularly accurate in that Neptune is also said to be the higher octave of Venus. And Venus is exalted in Pisces. It's supposed to like being there. And I think it's the compassion side of, of Venus. But you could see how Venus being a kind of personal love energy, and now Neptune, you're ramping it up. It's got this numinous divine energy. This was, by the way, Jung, Jung would use these words. That was this clash with Freud, who was so martial. He thought everything was, you know, the sexual impulse and all that other stuff. It's more physical, more, more you know, uh, or maybe less less ex exalting and so forth. Uh, but Venus Neptune, now you're getting two love principles and the possibility of being overtaken, overwhelmed, and and uh, 
and you see this a lot, by the way, in regular chart, in um, individual charts, people with Venus conjunct square or opposed Neptune typically have a difficult time discovering a relationship they can be happy with. And you can start debating as to, well, are they delusional? Do they see things through rose-colored glasses, all of the above? It doesn't matter. It just turns out that way because of the archetype, uh, of, in a sense, overwhelming them. And probably you'd say they connect with something that feels really amazing because that's what it, that's the thing about Neptune. It can feel incredible because you feel connected. If you're totally in love, I said, oh, you just think this person is going to solve all my problems. Well, they're not going to. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that's where Saturn with time is laughing in the background and goes, hey, I rule time. Just give it a little bit of time and you'll see. Not this true. Not... <laughs> <laughs> not true. Like There may be a universe. There may be a place in the universe where you're in some totally timeless dimension. I think the human realm is fundamentally time ruled. We're, we're time obsessed creatures, which is right. Saturn. That's why you have to put Saturn right at the very top of the list in terms of paying attention to things and so forth. So Venus Neptune, that's the classic overload of that principle, you know, the love principle, the, the unification principle. But you can see where that can become really, really dangerous because if a person does not channel the Neptune in a in a harmonious way, in other words, the the person's ego, the person's sense of limited self takes it then it becomes their vision, so to speak. This is where you get a lot of these modern politicians that are doing it for themselves. It's pretty obvious that their, their objective is themselves. And the crazy part is they believe sometimes that they're doing it for the public. They, they'll tell you, no, 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 this is what everybody wants. And you're trying to tell them, well, obviously not. Have you looked at the numbers? That would be Saturn replying and saying, well, no, because look, we can add it up and, and you've got more saying the opposite. They don't care because they go with their vision and they, you know, they, they pursue it that way. So of the of the Neptune connections, that's one of the more striking and revealing the excess, extreme excess in one direction. But you could also, I bet, find charts. You do, you see them. Great musicians, very sure. creative people, and including the person that says, no, 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 I, I am. I'm, I have a soulmate. I mean, I feel amazing in my relationship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it'll be that the chart is really wired to make that easy. And other times they've had to fight for it. Like how you said earlier, Saturn square Neptune uh, being artist, artistically linked. Although typically they'll tell you, yeah, but I had to go through a journey of, you know, learning and, you know, to, to get to that point. Yeah. So the, the comment on the Venus Neptune, I say that because one of the things that is sold most through this pitch Neptune that is so elevated in the US chart is the notion of romantic love. So, and that's a very Venus Neptune thing. And when you say longing, the longing is in you, you're just projecting it onto someone. And, you know, when you wake up and they suddenly, you know, they're not the person you thought, well, that's because they're still saying the same person. It's just your perception has changed because your eyes have become open to, as you say, Saturn, the limits of your own vision is the way I would look at it. I, I would recommend to people who have this aspect of birth and struggle with this, that there's a great book by Robert A. Johnson called We, exploring the, uh, I think it's exploring the myth of romantic love, but he really makes a case for what's going on here. And I think it's just a book I've recommended to a lot of people who are trapped in this never ending cycle of constantly looking because what they're looking for is not a person, but an experience and the experience is within. You're never going to find it in the other person. You might find it for a little while, but as we all know, all illusions die at the hard, uh, you know, uh, the hard end of a Saturn transit. So 
or it doesn't even have to be Saturn. You just, one day it's, you, you awaken and you think, wait, what have I been passing off to this person? And then of course, you know, uh, compassion, Neptune, Venus can make you very compassionate. And then if you love the world, here's the thing, you fall in love with everything because you have no capacity for discernment. And that's good in some ways, but in, in some instances, you may need to have a little bit of a discerning quality to say, well, is this good for me? You know, because you can fall in love with a drunk and that drunk may not be good for you, but you know, that's Neptune and it's more insidious uh, face. Uh, to, to your point about when it's, uh, you know, people having a vision and then becoming almost, and this is one thing I do see about Neptune. And I see in connection to another planet, Mercury. Mercury's pretty sharp, right? We'd agree it's the fastest mm -hmm. planet. It can add things together, gives us the capacity to speak. When you unite it with Neptune, I see a lot of delusional ideas sometimes. This is one, one way that it yeah. shows, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and exactly. so I, I, it's a kind of like a, a scary thing because you, you are so convinced of it that you are, you're wandering around, uh, you know, and can be very cruel about it because I think what, this is the proselytizer that shows at your door up at your door and says, Hey, I have one God, you know, and you must follow this. Um, and, and it, it can be very obnoxious and it could actually be injurious to somebody. So that, that's one way, of course, it could give people some access to the unconscious because Neptune is the unconscious, but here we have again, the problem doesn't give you access to the unconscious. And are you, do you have enough capacity to discern, again, the word that is not a good word for, because it doesn't belong to Neptune, between what is nonsense and what is, uh, what is true. So here's, here's the thing that was, I, I just did a recent dream seminar with my Sophia Collective, and the question came up about the unconscious. And Jung very famously said, look, just because it comes from the unconscious doesn't mean you don't need your conscious mind to determine what's dross and what is what is what is not dross. You still need to have some awareness. So not that every image that comes to mind, you go around saying, hey, this is it, I'm going to save the world. Or what we see often in people who go into these apocalyptic uh, kind of scenarios, you know, everything is going to be the end of the world. No, maybe what it means is it's the end of the uh, way of thinking that you have, and maybe this is helpful. So I find that combination particularly problematic. It can be depending on how it's wired in and how much consciousness a person brings to it. You can get into some pretty dicey areas, you know, for sure. Mercury Neptune. Yeah, yeah. Have, yeah, you, have, right. yeah. Seen well, the, have you seen any extreme cases that oh um, totally yeah no mercury neptune of course mercury as the thinking rational thinking mind you put it next to neptune in any way square opposed conjunct and the possibility of the person's mind drifting into delusions literally things that are made up that they've decided like for example when a person says god talks to me you almost think well uh, you know, you, you almost wonder if God talks to you, you wouldn't be saying that. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's automatically, you get a little worried, you get a little scared because you are in a way, uh, what you're really saying is my ego has these needs and I'm getting voices that seem to uh, verify or justify those needs. And that is almost never true. And so you start to get delusions. So, but again, this is the, this would be the, what I call the low end of any uh, planet or arch archetype. Archetypes have, as I understand it, high end, low end. So it seems logical. I mean, the word, at least in astrology, the word logical is inside the word. So it's telling you to you know, use your logic around this. Mm -hmm. So the idea is always play to the high end of these archetypes. Learn what the high end is. And so, for instance, if you are being, at, the true Neptune is inclusive. So how do you justify 
racism. That's not inclusive. That automatically is a no-no. You can't do that. You can't be saying this group can oppress that group. You're not getting it right. That is completely wrong. People like Hitler are completely delusional and and there are people to be opposed all the time, in my opinion. Now, then, then you'll hear the counterpoint is to say, well, you're advocating almost like a form of communism. And it's true that um, Neptune is by nature going to be community oriented, right? But you find a way to do that in a way that still leaves room for the individual. That's probably the democratic experiment. If you look at democracy across all of Europe, you know, uh, countries in America, North America, South America, that's the the target. And you can bring the US into this. It's not like Churchill said, it's a terrible system, except for all the other systems. Which system do you want? So you say, well, we're trying to achieve relative success around the Neptune. Yes, you may you may fight. You may be one of the lucky ones that gets perfect Neptune success. I don't know, but it's difficult. It's difficult to do because, uh, first of all, you know, you can get into some really dicey arguments around this. There's a movie out there uh, uh, called uh, My My Octopus Teacher. I don't know if you've come across oh, that. Yes. That, yeah. that 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 octopus thing. They're showing you nature uses Neptune all the time. When an animal develops through evolution a, something in their skin to blend into the background so they can eat another animal, and then the other animal develops their skin to hide from another animal that wants to eat them. So this thing of deception is wired into nature. And what, are you going to tell the octopus not to do that? They're not going to make it then. There will be no octopus. They'll yes, disappear. Yes, they re rely on this. And so the idea of of something is not as it seems, you know, to to enhance something is part of life. And uh, it'll always be there in some sense. You have to figure out a way to integrate it into your life so that let's just say, even if you're not perfect, you are relatively at least more united with the whole, which applies to the human race you're part of and the greater whole, if you, if you realize, okay, this thing seems to be you know, this vast, like I think in Jungian terms, there's this vast subconscious where there are all these archetypes, some of which are very tricky Not and so forth. Yeah, so you're doing the best you can to channel that through your limited, you know, like one one teacher that I ran into, he described the human incarnation as like, um, like um, when you get a vortex in, in water where temporarily there's like a whirlpool, a whirlpool event that appears to be real, but then, it goes back, the water, the, the entire ocean would be Neptune. You're like this whirlpool and you're doing the best you can to manifest the entire thing, which is a pretty big threat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's difficult big, to do. Yeah. It's interesting. One thing I point out all the time is if you put all the characters in a chart, a birth chart, and you include all the all the planets and you know the nodes and whatever, you won't see a chart like yours for 7,000. I don't even know how long. It takes a long time because of just if you think about add up all the orbits, and add up how they right. have to find to be exactly at the same degree, the same place, you're not going to see it for, so you really are a moment in time that has never been and will not be for, for millennia. And so you have a certain responsibility. This was the Jungian idea to be true to what your reality is, but in the context of a larger world, right? So right. Uh, to your point, um, 
you know, I, I was just reading an, uh, an essay by James Hillman, who was kind of one of the radical post-Jungians, where he said, you know, it is true that everything is in you at first. You do have to, like, you do have to locate the shadow stuff. However, it is also true that the world creates situations where you are oppressing people. And, you know, both are true at the same time. And you need to fix both the inner world and the outer world. Now, you might say to fix the outer world, and this is an Neptunian thing, right? Uh, to, to fix poverty, to fix a lot of the problems we see in the outer world, you probably have to start by fixing some of the poverty consciousness you have in yourself in the sense that, you know, part of us wants to, to, to restrict other parts of ourselves. You start with the very basic elements and then we project it and we say, well, you know, that group doesn't deserve. You know, this is what you hear from people who are radical libertarians. Like that, for that I earned what I got. They, you know, they, they totally ignore society and, uh, and say it was all them. And so it is the idea that you are both, again, the both and, I keep going with this, I think all of our problems happen from fundamentalism of thought. Like, in other words, there's only one God, there's only one idea, there's only one person, that would be me. Um, and there's only one way to do things. It's been blaring at us for four years, well, four years, probably like eight years now. Um, anyway, the point is that if you do not take responsibility for yourself in community, then the community fails. That's just the way it is, right? But to ignore it and say, well, I'm just, I, I, we had this talk from as well that, okay, this, the, the person who goes out and meditates and that's all they do all the time, it's wonderful. But I still think you have to come back into the world. You are part of a system and you are in, in, in community in some way. Now, maybe when you get to a certain age, I think, it's, I think the Indians have this right. Maybe it's time to retreat from the world. You've done your stuff. But I, I do think we do have an obligation to further the story along. And maybe the furthering of the story for us is that I am a mystic. And I sit in my living room and I just manifest great thoughts and great feelings and great connection to the world. I don't know. Everybody has their own path. But part of us must realize that it's not done on an own. Again, the Neptune and the ocean, the ocean is made up of drops. You know, it's not, it's not one single drop in some ways it is, but it's also made up of parts within the drop. So it's how to integrate those two things that, that I think is really difficult for people. And, and you by, know, this is, by the way, if you think about it, though, you see these, these, um, these reflections all throughout life. I mean, the whole idea of, in science, the, I remember this in high school, they said, well, there are two theories of light. There's the particle theory and the wave theory. And the wave theory would be Neptune, but life is our light is both a particle and a wave. There's yeah. a both end. And this is the thing in mysticism that you're holding up often two opposite thoughts and somehow not letting that disturb you. You in other words, there's an ego and there's a broader spirit, and they both can coexist in some way, but it's not easy to explain how that works because you can intellectualize it for hours and hours and hours. And in the end, you could almost say that Neptune wins in the end, in the sense that you could point to Neptune as being some kind of very deep intuition, some kind of thing that you have as you understand your linkage to that whole and how to express it in a good way. So that, for example, you're doing something and you are conscious, okay, what I'm doing now, how does this affect other people? How is this affecting other people, or even in a relationship, when I'm doing this, what does this mean for the other person? A lot of people don't think that way. They think, ah, pff, I don't care about that. I mean, that's their problem. And that would not be a good thing. The more people, would, that is the logic that you've got now 7 billion people in, in, or eight or whatever in, 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 on planet earth, the more people that think in this way or connect in this way, the better, the better for things going the right way. And the more people that think, 
they are like separate islands unto themselves, potentially more dangerous that would be. Well, you know what? It's interesting because if you look again at the exaltation of Venus being in Pisces and the correlation or the connection or maybe the association between Neptune and Pisces, where it is now, by the way, and has been traveling for the last, I guess, 12 years or so. Uh, one thing that's interesting to me is that what has to be brought online, according to what Jung's work was showing, was connection, the Venus principle, feminine, mm -hmm. the idea that you are not one, but many within you, but also without, like, you know, that you're part of a system that includes many others, and that we have to work together. And that is the hardest thing for, for anyone to do. It's interesting, he said the definition, and not only him, but many thinkers say, and it seems to me to be correct, the definition of maturity is ability to hold two contradictory ideas at the same time yes. and not yes. and not act immediately and go crazy and say, and, and this is what happens. This is why people join cults and why they join uh, certain groups. They want certainty because they can't handle the tension of the fear that the tension of opposites creates in your body. Yes. And yes. so you avoid it, right? You avoid it through, you know, you do something distracting like eat. So you don't have to worry about that feeling you have in your body or you drink or you you head out and you join a group that will go out there and solve all the world's problems by, you know, screaming into the air. But you're not solving the world problem, which is, you know what, you have to hold both these things. And sometimes some a transcendent third, a third will emerge that combines both, but it takes a hell of a lot of waiting, right? That's yeah. the dark night of the soul where you just sit and sit and you're feeling all this pain and misery and you want to go one way or you want to go the other way, or, but it just requires incredible maturity. And sadly, I think that is what's lacking. It's these, this idea that, and this is what makes people, you know, I think this is where you're seeing the right-wing movements become so loud. Right-wing movements are funded by people or fueled by people who are very fearful. And they, 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 will, they will latch on to hate or to exclusion because that way they can make themselves feel safe, right? There's no courage in there. There's no heart. Courage comes from the word heart. There's no heart to say, I'm going to sit with this and I'm not going to blame it on anybody. Yeah. And you know, yeah. we're living in a difficult world, but that's also maturity, you know, and we've got a very immature society. That's the fundamental thing. And, and especially North Americans, I think we're very, very, very bad at, uh, you know, possibly because it's a new society, but it's, it's, it's one that doesn't like taking responsibility for that stuff. So you will find solutions and the solutions are often in getting angry at others. So anyway, uh, I, I think at the end of the day, I want Neptune in the universe. But I think I want a little Saturn in there, a little Mars that can just discern, help us with the, with that 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 part that says this and not that, or this together. I can hold both these things together without having to bring out the the sword and say it's only this. So it's weird. It's a real tension and um, not easily solved. Well, not you know, the thing is, it's interesting that you mentioned the the, uh, the opposites. The, the two things, you know, someone that influenced you and I, Pirvilayat, the Sufi master, he coined it as reconciling the irreconcilable. He liked big words, but it's exactly that because he often talked about things like ego and spirit. They feel like they're opposite, but they're not. Uh, spirit uses ego, ego uses spirit. There's a constant relationship. But the thing about Neptune too is that in the end, and it's again why it does fit to my mind, the Pisces is a receptive sign. Venus is a more receptive planet, at least from Taurus, maybe from Libra, but because it's a relationship sign, it automatically becomes receptive and so forth. So the Neptune energy ultimately is open-ended receptivity. So you, you open yourself, but then you need essentially in the human realm, mind stability, which is, a, it'd be like a Saturn Mercury situation, Mercury being the mind, 
you need a stable enough attention to remain receptive and let it all go by and it'll sort itself out. I know that sounds a little bit, a little bit broad, but you can't really uh, solve the opposites by, you know, drawing lists and comparing columns and you, that, that's, that's okay, but it's not going to get you there. The, the resolution happens spontaneously in the receptivity where you're doing big, big Neptune and just being aware of what is there. And the thing itself finds its own, its own uh, balance, but has to be done. You know, you can't just read it in a book. You have to actually practice. Although this could be, you know, some people, for example, who never meditated a day in their life in the traditional sense, but are just particularly good at, they sit on their porch and they let their mind become part of the environment. They flow into the clouds and they become really good at that without ever saying, oh no, I don't do any uh, fancy Buddhist mindfulness. I just do this thing. They're doing the very thing that they need to do. And then they find that inner peace because they're not getting trapped by any particular thing. And all those archetypes flow together. Again, easier said than done, but it's in the practice. And that's where Saturn always laughs because Saturn's always in the background going, oh, these great ideas are always flowing around. If you don't practice, it isn't going to happen. You know, it's Awakenings are, are, are limited to people who are extraordinarily lucky, I would call them, but they're not. It's a, it's a series of steps, right? It's not going to happen spontaneously. Even Eckhart Tolle, who uh, says he had a, a spontaneous awakening, said when he looked at, when he tells others, he said, no, this is unusual. He was suicidal, he had a break, and then suddenly something happened. But he said, but it actually takes an awareness of step by step by step. And I, I hate to say it, can you sit in the fire and not be consumed by it? Which mm -hmm. means, can you have these irreconcilable things, as Pavlai would, would mention and was right, and not act until the moment is right, until something has has it's almost this is what the basis of alchemy is by the way as well which Jung said was the daughter of astrology at the end of the day um it's the idea that that is where things mix until so lead saturn becomes gold with time and patience and work that's how it is it's yeah. not going to happen any other way right neptune yeah. can become its highest version by not acting by not going to the basis way and by not yes. being delusional so you don't hang on to the first idea that comes in and you and by the way the most important thing uh, Jung also said that if someone announces themselves as a prophet, then you should immediately doubt that they have no prophecy in them because a prophet right. does not need to announce that they're a prophet. They are exactly. living life. You will get by the, the life that they live. Um, mm -hmm. Anyway, fascinating discussion. Next next time, we're going to uh, really go to the depths with Pluto. Oh, my Lord. Pluto. <laughs> this is like, <laughs> I know we're laughing maniacally. People are going, wow, this is like. That's a scary. But no, Pluto, we're going to the scary dimension. It's scary dimension. Yeah. Yes, but you know, a necessary dimension as well. Okay, well, thanks for jumping on and discussing Neptune with me. All right, that was fun. Next time. Thanks for listening today. If you want to hear more about all of this, go to YouTube where you will find Andre's channel called Astrology Alert. He posts videos there almost daily. He also teaches classes through his Patreon account. You can find me at sophiacycles.com. If you want to support my work, I've recently released a new novel called Invocation, which you may find of interest. Go to my website to see a book trailer about it. It's available in all fine bookstores, including Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Finally, if you like this podcast, please rate it and leave a review so that others will find it as well. Okay.